Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. Okay, before we get into today's episode, I want to get some feedback from you, the listener. We're looking at ways that we can take the podcast in new directions, new guests that we want to have on the show, new ideas we want to share with you. So we have a lot of threads going for this at Expat Money Forum, our private Facebook group. If you go to expatmoneyforum.com, you can join the conversation. I want to hear feedback from you guys. What topics have we not covered that you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more stories from successful expats who have moved offshore? Do you want to hear more business-related stuff, more finance-related stuff? Are you more interested in immigration and visas and passports? Is it the investments or real estate? I want to know what you are interested in. This show is not about me. It is about you guys. It is about all of my amazing listeners and trying to help inspire you and get you the best up-to-date knowledge every single Wednesday when I publish this show. So join the conversation at Expat Money Forum. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear more about, how I can best serve you. It's really important to me to make this show the absolute best in our space. And I think we're off to a really good start podcast has been going for over four years now, which is just hard to believe. It seems like just yesterday I started it and the feedback has been amazing, but there's always room to improve. There's always things we can do better. So share your knowledge, share your expertise, share what you want to hear, share your wants, your desires, your needs, your goals, everything with us at Expat Money Forum. I really appreciate it and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is a career coach, and it helps professionals to land a remote job faster. She has been a digital nomad, minimalist, yoga, and dog lover. She has been to over 51 countries and counting. Today, she is going to share with us how she manages to travel and work all around the globe, and what you can do to land a remote job too. Please welcome to the show, Juliana Ravi. Juliana, how are you? I'm great, Mikael. Thanks for having me here. My pleasure. I'm very happy to have you here. So why don't you take a minute and kind of walk us through your backstory? How did you get working in this field and develop such a love and a passion for travel and then combine the two, I suppose? (laughs) Yes, yes. So my background is in psychology. I studied psychology at the university. Then I have a master in HR. So I have been into the HR area for many years already, plus an 
15 years. And there was some travel involved in uh, my previous job. I worked for a cruise company. So I had to travel to recruit people to work in the cruise ships. And I kind of liked that. I was like, hmm, I like this working and traveling at the same time. But then I realized that I couldn't travel to whatever I wanted because I had to go where I had to go <laughs> to recruit people and all of that. So I wanted to find a way to travel to wherever I wanted to travel and also keep working at the same time. So the next job I had, I worked from home and I confirmed that, yes, I can do that. I know how to organize my time. I can be productive and all of that. So now I was just missing the traveling part. So this choice about being a digital nomad was because I wanted to combine the work I do, my career, like I, I like what I do. I'm happy this is an important pillar for me, but traveling is my passion and I definitely wanted to put more travel in my life. So yeah, here I am using my <laughs> my background, my studies, my more than 15 years experience helping others to land job. And I'm doing that while I'm traveling the world. So yeah, I'm kind of living the life I want to live right now, I would say. That's very good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I want to talk about your travels and where you're from. We were kind of talking off air for a minute. But I guess first, let's dive into what were some of those challenges that you found at the very beginning when you started to work from home? And like, how did you overcome those? And I mean, I think this is so important with everything that we're going through, because there is challenges. And if you don't mitigate them from the beginning, I think they might just gobble you up and you're going to go back to your old ways. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's funny because I didn't choose to work remotely at the beginning. There was something that happened to me. So I was working for this cruise company that I mentioned, and there was some internal change. And from one day to the other, they changed my contract to another company. And the office of that new company was not located where I was located. So from one day to the other, I had to start working from home. And I was like, how do I do that? Like, I didn't have a proper, you know, working table. I had two dogs at the moment. They were walking around all the time. So I didn't have a proper <laughs> setup to work from home. And I didn't know how to do it. But it took me a couple of months only to realize that I loved it. That, you know, it was good for me to work from home. I realized I was saving a lot of commuting time. I could spend more time with my dogs. I had more flexibility. So it was not a choice at the very beginning, but very soon in the process, it was like, okay, I want that. I want to keep doing more than that. And also I, I ended up moving to the city where the new office was located. And I went back to the office for like a month, but I was like, mm, no, <laughs> I don't want to go back to the office. I really enjoy it working from home. But yeah, challenges, I would say distractions, they do happen in the office, but they do happen at home. Also, so you have the fridge kind of screaming for you and say, hi, I have food here. Do you want to <laughs> grab something to eat? You have the couch that is very tempting sometimes. I want to take a nap or just relax a little bit. So it's different distractions than that we have in the office, but they do exist. So it's important to, to address that and to create some boundaries that will help you to work properly. So if the person works alone at home, it might be easier. But if you uh, have other people in the house, it's important to you know have a door that you can close and that shows that I am working, I cannot be disturbed because that's a, a common mistake. Or if you're working from home, so you do the laundry, you go to the supermarket, you receive the postman. It's like, no, I'm, I'm working from home, but I'm not here doing nothing, just <laughs> waiting for things and take care of the house. So it's important to put those boundaries, I would say. 
The schedule, it depends on the kind of job you do. So sometimes you, you must follow a certain schedule, like even working from home, you still need to be connected from nine to five, for example, uh, which kind of helps somehow because you know that from nine to five, you need to be working. But if you have a flexible working hours, then you need to be more strict with yourself because nobody's going to tell, okay, now it's your working hours and can be very tempting, like, yeah, whatever, I'm just going to start working at 10 and then I take a longer lunch break and all of that. And you kind of get lost in the process. So defining working hours is extremely important and be focused and concentrate and like pretty much what you would do in the office or what you should do in the office, like not be checking your phone all the time, not be talking to other people, not, you know, stop to go out and do something else. So define when you need to be working and focus on that because otherwise the, the results won't be there. And, Working from home or working from anywhere has a lot to do with results and trust, right? Your boss won't be there like telling you all the time and checking if you're seated on the chair, but still you need to deliver results because otherwise the whole system will not work. Okay, I agree with you. And I have one other question to kind of follow up on this, but it's at the exact opposite. Do you find that any of your clients or maybe yourself does the exact opposite and instead of having like a nine to five hours, you're on like a 24 hours, that because your home is now your workplace, that you are constantly checking emails at night. Like, I mean, I work from my phone while I'm getting into bed and then I wake up in the morning and I'm using the bathroom and I'm checking my emails and going through things. And it's like, I'm always on now. I mean, my subscribers know and my private clients know they send me an email. It could be one o'clock in the morning and I might get back to them within like five minutes. I think that this is a completely different type of challenge that certainly when I started doing this many years ago, I didn't expect. My first instinct was, you know, how do I motivate myself to work? Now it's like, how do I motivate myself to relax and like not work, keep my phone separate and my tablet and my laptop and my computer and my et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, have you seen this as, as well or is it just me? No, I face that all the time also. So that's why I'm telling that and I tell myself that I should fix working hours and try as much as possible to stick to it because it's very easy. And I think some years ago when I started, it was not that accessible to check your email in your phone and all of that. You had to sit on the chair, on the laptop and all of that to, to check an email. But now it's like, you know, it's in my hand all the time. I just see a notification. Actually, I don't have notifications for email, but then I still check them from time to time. So, yes, I do get lost sometime into this. Well, it's Saturday, but the person wrote something. I might, you know, reply. At least you say, okay, I'm going to reply on Monday, but then I'm already replying. And I'm thinking about the reply I'm going to give to the person on Monday. So, yeah, that's a problem that we have now. And I think a lot of people who work from home during the pandemic face exactly this thing, how to separate work in the other areas of my life and it can happen because you are not productive enough so you need to stretch your working hours because you're seated on the computer and you're doing 200 things at the same time so you never get what you need to do done or sometimes it happens because you enjoy what you do so it's like well it's work but you know I really like to do what I do so I feel like replying this client because I mean why not it's just five minutes but we know it's not only just five minutes because then you're thinking about it then you need to take a note about something else 
So yeah, this is this is a reality working all the time and do never disconnect from work. So I don't have a magic formula for that. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> this is something ongoing and I'm I'm facing that. Some moments I I'm better at that than other moments. So for example, what I'm doing now is that I'm trying not to work on Fridays. So Fridays, I'm not all Fridays, but I would say 90% of Fridays, I'm taking them off. And what has working for me is like, instead of just saying, I won't work on Friday, is to create an agenda for Friday. Just like I would create a working agenda, like my clients call and the things I need to do, I create activities. So I'm going to go in the morning to the market. I'm going to meet this friend for lunch. I'm going to read this book. You know, I kind of block my agenda with fun and entertaining activities. And sometimes things I have to do, like I need to do the laundry and that's what I'm going to do. But I try to put more fun stuff because then it kind of force me it sounds weird but like it forced me not to work because I have something else that you know I'm looking forward to do but it's important to replace the space that work would occupy with something that intentionally I'm choosing and I'm motivated because if I just put boring stuff I won't do that because it's like working is better than just cleaning the house so I try to or watching Netflix or something yes I have the exact same thing I mean if me and my wife plan to go to a new area or go visit a new place or go out for dinner or something like that, then, I mean, I don't check my emails. I don't do anything while I'm out that. But if it's like, oh, I've been working too much. I need to relax. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm like one eye on Netflix and one eye on my phone while responding. So like, I don't really care so much about the TV, but part of me feels like I need to take a break from work because I work too much. I also wanted to ask you on the same type of thread, if you think that the marketplace or the the consensus of society has changed a little bit, and I'll give you some context. So what often happens now with me is I'll get an inquiry on my website for, you know, residency or citizenship or one of these types of things. And then on Monday morning, I'll get Facebook messages and Twitter messages. And the message will go something like this. I've emailed you three times and I haven't heard back. And I was like, what's your email address? I'll go and look. And it's like, they, they emailed on Saturday morning, Saturday night and Sunday night. And they've emailed three times. And I'm like, and now it's Monday at 7 a.m. And it's like, okay. I mean, you emailed completely outside of business hours, you know, nighttime, weekends. I was doing something with my wife and kids, but their expectation is like, it's been three days and you're not professional because you haven't responded like instantly. Have you seen this type of shift in society and what their expectations are? Yeah, yeah. I think what we face, other people are facing also like this boundaries between working hours and non-working hours, also the time zone doesn't help because maybe for the person was still Friday afternoon and then for you was Saturday morning. So you never know when the person actually wrote. Uh, Some people are happy replying, working emails on weekends. I'm trying not to do that. I do it like very few times, but people expect, like I sent you an email two hours ago and you should have replied already. You're late for that. And actually it's like weekend, I shouldn't be working. So yeah, things are changing. Clients are more demand. I mean, in this case, it's not even a client, right? There's someone wanting to know more about your yeah, prospective client. Yeah. So people are demanding. And I think it's important for the professional, whoever is providing the service, set the limits since the beginning. Because if you write me on Saturday morning, I reply you two hours later, then you reply back and I keep replying. It's like, 
I'm working on Saturday. And if this is not part of my plan, I shouldn't be doing that. So I actually had this, this conversation on LinkedIn with some people. Like, do you reply on weekend to potential clients or not? And what I got about it is that, or I don't reply and I reply Monday morning, first thing in the morning, or I reply and say, thanks for your message. I'm going to reply you back on Monday because at least I acknowledge that the person, the person knows that I checked the mess, but it's still, it's my time and my energy that I'm putting there. So I'm trying to not do it on the weekend. And when I agree on some service or something, I um, make very clear about the deadline. So this is, this is going to be ready in three weeks. We're going to work together for three months because then I think the clarity at the very beginning helps us to go back and say, remember, we spoke about three weeks. It's first week. So we are doing fine. So, I think it's like create a methodology that you know the time that you need to, I'm going to reply you by the end of the week. So if I reply by Wednesday, the client is happier, but I'm still, you know, within the time I gave that. But definitely people are more demanding. And I think it won't change because everybody has their phone on their hands all the time. We are connected 24 hours. So I not even blame people who does that because I know I, I do that sometimes also. You know, I send emails on Saturday. Sometimes it's because I just don't want to forget about it. And then it's easier for me to send it. And then, okay, now the person is going to answer on Monday. But sometimes I kind of expect the person to answer. So I don't blame who does that. I think it's the whole shift in the society that, yeah, we all do the same thing. Well, that makes sense for sure. And I do think that you're right. Having some type of outline for yourself is probably pretty useful and probably something that I should do myself. I think this is one of the reasons I want to have you on. Everybody, I'm a little bit greedy here. I like to have guests on where I'm certainly going to learn something from because I really don't have any rules at the moment, Juliana. Like I just work and work and work and work. And then it's, I don't know. I just, um, I mean, I love my subscribers and I love the work that I do and I'm dedicated to them. And also, I also find it if I don't respond immediately or as fast as possible, then it's like a buildup. Like I find a bit of anxiety if I have, you know, a hundred emails in my inbox on Monday morning. But if I can like mentally offload that and then just know, well, that's taken care of and get rid of it, then I can relax. But as things get more popular, I have so much that it's it's not possible to have a clean inbox. I also wanted to make one other comment about what you were saying. When I lived in the Middle East, I was not on Eastern Standard Time and it was actually amazing. So someone would email me, I would respond, and then I wouldn't get an email back from them until the following day. Now on Eastern Standard, it's like I might get 10 emails in back and forth which, with each client and I have how many clients running at once. So now it's like a multiplying effect. So actually, I think being a digital nomad and being on an opposite time zone might actually be better. Yeah. I mean, I hope you don't need to choose your destination just because of that. That we'll go to this country just because of that. But time zone is, is a problem. You know, it's like if you can, otherwise maybe tell that to your clients. Look, we are in different time zones, so I'm going to reply as soon as possible. So you kind of set the expectation since the beginning and maybe start your day, your working day, not their working day, because who knows in which time zone they are, but start your working day with replying emails if it makes you feel less anxious because you said it creates some anxiety on you knowing that like you have 100 emails inbox waiting for you. 
So this could be a strategy. I will start my day. That's what I do on Mondays. So Mondays, because I know that things, especially if I didn't work on Friday, which most of Fridays I don't do. So I actually have Friday emails. <laughs> Look at that. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it can build up. But I'm like, okay, that's a choice I'm making. I'm speaking more about it. So people kind of slowly, slowly, they are not expecting a very fast reply on Friday. Although I do keep an eye on my email on Friday. So if it is something urgent, I go and reply or I say, okay, I'll go back to you on Monday or this is the answer. I'm going to send a longer email on Monday. But Monday's morning, I try to, you know, catch up with the email and that has been working for me. But it's, I don't know, it's like a choice. So for me, the non-working on Friday makes so much sense. And despite of part of my brain is like, okay, work is getting, you know, accumulated for Monday. The other part is like, yeah, but hey, you have your own business. What is the point of having that if you still have to work Monday to Friday until, you know, nine to six? So it's, it's, it's a big shift in the mentality for me, but I have more positive aspects of not working on Friday than negative. So it has been working for me. Well, I can also imagine taking three days weekend that you must have a lot more like creative insights and be a lot more relaxed because I know that several months ago when I went to Costa Rica, I took two weeks and three weeks and basically didn't work at all. And I had a thousand and one insights about my business that I got so many things done in my head that now I'm like, maybe I should take more time off opposed to trying to tough it out and, you know, hustle, 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 grind, 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 work 24 hours a day. I'm actually starting to realize that time off is super important. How do you find, you know, longer weekends? Do you find yourself to be more creative, to be more open, to be more patient during the normal working hours? Or how does that affect you? I do find myself more creative, but I don't force the process. So some weekends, I used to feel very guilty of watching Netflix, for example. I didn't start watching Netflix until, let me tell you the truth, until last year during the pandemic. I never had Netflix. And then at some point, I ended up being with my parents again during the pandemic, and they had Netflix, and I started watching. So Netflix is something. I knew it existed, obviously, but I was not watching it. I didn't have an account until 2020. So I kind of got used to it, but I was feeling guilty every time I was watching Netflix because in my mind, it was like, I should be doing something more productive. But now, with the three days weekend, when I am watching Netflix, I don't feel guilty or I feel less guilty. That would be the correct (laughs) way to say that because it's like, that's what my weekend is for. You know, so I I don't use the long weekend just to be more creative about work because that would be work somehow. But I do notice that sometimes when I'm watching Netflix, I'm walking, exploring a city, I'm, you know, doing some journaling, whatever. I do have some insights that is like, wow, oh my goodness, that's amazing. I haven't thought about it. So they they happen naturally when I am in a relaxed environment. I don't know cleaning something, I'm in the market, I'm having a conversation that has nothing to do with work, and then suddenly I have the insight. So I do notice that it helped my creativity, but not by forcing it like, okay, now I'm sitting on a Saturday morning and I'm going to do a mind mapping about the next five years of my business. No. And another thing I want to say is that if I need to do some punctual work, and sometimes I do, I don't feel bad about working on a Sunday for like three hours in the afternoon. 
because it's like, it's okay. I didn't work on, on Friday. I didn't work on Saturday. And then I'm way more intentional. So it happened to me, I think two weeks, two weeks ago. Yes. On Sunday, I had to prepare two, um, two keynote speaker that I was going to give two presentation. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that on Sunday because I was traveling on Friday and all of that. So I went to a cafe. I found a nice spot. I sit comfortably. So it was like, okay, I'm going to create a nice environment to do the work I need to do. So I, I actually enjoyed doing that. I know it was work. I know it was Sunday, but I was, it was, it is not the routine. It was an exception. And I treat the whole environment like I want work from the couch. I want to make this special. So I chose a nice cafe and, and all of that. So yes, it helps my creativity, but I'm not thinking about, I need to be creative and have insights about my work because otherwise I'm still on working mode in my mm -hmm. mind. So what I'm hearing you say is be very purposeful during your working hours to stay organized and, and define which are your working hours. And then on your free time, do the opposite. Don't be purposeful. Don't think like, okay, this is a time that now I can be creative. Just let things flow naturally. And insights will most likely happen when you're not thinking about it, when you're not being purposeful about these types of actions. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you need to work on the weekend, limit the hours. So I calculate I'm going to need three, four hours. So that's it. When do I want to do that? Then you choose also. Do I want to do it on Saturday? Do I want to do it in the morning, in the afternoon? That's what I did about this Sunday because there was the, the recent example I had that I had to work on a weekend. And I was like, okay, Sunday afternoon, I don't want to wake very early. I was uh, going to have breakfast with a friend. So, okay, a Sunday afternoon works for me. I did a couple of hours and then I you know, I went home, I left the, the laptop and I kept doing my thing. So yeah, also be intentional about your free time because it's crazy, but we need to train ourselves to have fun again, to connect with our hobbies. And I, I felt that like during the pandemic, I lost a lot of this side of my life because if nobody could do anything outside, I was like, well, I better work, right? So I totally lost control of my, this balance that I'm talking about now. Not that I have it perfect now, but I can tell you it was terrible for me last year during some months of the pandemic because I was like, well, whatever, what, what can I do? I'm just going to work. And I ended up working 11, 12 hours per day during some months last year, which was okay at the beginning because there was nothing else to do. But then I started feeling very tired and my brain was like slow to take decisions. I knew like this task, I average take one hour to do. And I was taking like two hours, two and a half. And it was, you know, like making a small mistake. So I was like, Juliana, your body's telling you that there is something that is not working here. So I realized I went the opposite side, like the, the dark side of the story. I was like, hey, hey, I know I cannot leave the house. I know I cannot travel right now. But I didn't quit my full-time job. I didn't make all the change in my life to be working 11, 12 hours per day because that's not part of the lifestyle I want to have. So again, I had to force myself to stop and to put some, you know, some yoga, some Netflix. That's when Netflix entered my life. Some Netflix, some journaling, some other things to occupy the space that otherwise work would occupy. Well, because... I definitely have some of this guilt, as you mentioned earlier, about not working. And I've lost a lot of my hobbies or additional passions. So now it's like, like I love podcasts. Okay, I'm obviously a podcaster. I've been doing this for many years. I love creating podcasts, but actually I got into podcasting because I love listening to podcasts. I think that they're so much fun and, and I like a variety of topics. But I'm at the point now where 
I feel like if I'm not working and I'm going to be relaxing, well, then I should be studying about my work to keep my skills sharp, you know, so that I understand the next tax laws and what's happening in politics and immigration and all these different things. And it's like, I used to like listening to podcasts about health and fitness and exercise and biohacking and stuff like that. Now I'm listening to these and going, you know, but this isn't going to drive my business. This isn't going to drive my career. And I get this little bit of anxiety. So bringing hobbies back in while doing remote work during this time, how do you do this? Because the last year and a half or so has just been remote workers. It's just been work, 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 because we've all been stuck inside. And the more I work, it's the more that I feel like I have a responsibility to work. And the more that I feel like this is my job and this is what I should be doing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like there's this cyclical, like it goes around and around in a circle and I'm losing pieces. Yeah, yeah. I think for business that uh, still survived last year, because a lot of people unfortunately lost their business, their job and all of that. So they didn't have the option or the luxurious, let's say, of working even more during the pandemic. So for this kind of people was a completely different story, unfortunately, but uh, it looks like it happened to you the same thing that happened to me, like business was doing good and then we had more work and then we had more hours to dedicate to it. So it was like, well, let's just do it because that's the moment. There is a need, uh, I have time, <laughs> I cannot use my time for a different thing. So that's how I ended up working those 11, 12 hours until I said, actually I didn't say, my body was telling me like, you better stop. You were this close to burnout and that's so it was not a body thing, not a mind thing. If it's not logical, my, it was more well emotional. I I start noticing that I was more dispersed, that I was taking longer to do things. So I, I had signs that I was like, why this is going so slow? Like, why am I doing this wrong? Why I send I missed this on the email? So I start noticing like small mistakes from my sign, but I was just like, Yeah, whatever. It was just, you know, I was not paying attention. I didn't put the pieces together. Like this is something bigger. It was more like, you know, feeling extremely tired and my heart was beating super fast. I was waking up in the middle of the night, like, okay, this is my to-do list. Yeah, I remember that it was a Saturday, 2 a.m. I woke up, my heart beating super fast. And I thought, okay, this is the to-do list I have for today. And I was like, no, 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 this is not right. It's a Saturday. It's 2 a.m. So no. And then I, what I did to bring the hobbies back to my life was like, I always liked yoga. So I thought, okay, I have always done yoga on a studio with other people. And I knew yoga could be done alone, but I haven't done yoga alone up to that moment. It was like, okay, I think I need yoga to rescue me from this, you know, craziness. So I signed up for an app that I have yoga classes online. I bought a yoga mat and I started doing yoga at home. So it was something that I liked already that was present in my life in different moments. So I didn't, I don't think I discovered any new hobbies. Like, yes, suddenly, yes. I know a lot of people who did that. I start painting, I start cooking more. So that's one option. But in my case, it didn't happen. In my case, it was like reconnect with things that I knew I liked before. Also like reading books that were not work-related because I tend to read books related to my area. But it was like, let me read just a, yeah, let me read just a book that has nothing to do with easy reading and allow myself to do it. It's like, okay, this is not work mentality. This is like a having fun mentality. So I was choosing the books I was buying on Kindle through a different perspective. So for me, it was kind of reconnecting with things I liked already, but I had lost on the way and, and creating more space in my life for, for them. But again, intentional. 
So, okay, so let's dig into the yoga a little bit because I think this is a good example. So with the yoga, and you said that you bought a course, is this like a video course where you push play whenever you want and you follow along? Or did you sign up for classes that were at a specific time where you had a type of responsibility, even if a small one, to show up at that moment? Okay, it was not a course, it was an app. So I signed up for okay. an app. Yeah, so I have access. So no, I didn't have to sign to to show up for a specific class. You you have unlimited classes and you choose like the level, the teacher, the what you want to work specifically in that class. So no, I didn't have a certain and time. Did this to show. work for you? Because I, I and I'll give you context afterwards, but I'm I'm curious. Did this work for you to actually make time to do this on a a daily basis or a However, it worked for yes, it did work for me because I created a routine to do that. So what I was doing was I was waking up, I was in Brazil at the time, so the sun was rising like around 6 a.m. depending on the month, even a, a bit before. So I was waking up at 6 a.m. every day, even on weekends. And then the first thing, okay, I was brushing my teeth, having water, and then I was going to do yoga. That was my first activity of the day. So I created this routine. I wake up. I brush my teeth, drink some water, and then I go to do yoga. So it was part of the routine already, and then it worked for me. That's why, especially at the beginning, I decided not to break it on the weekend because yeah, I can sleep a bit later until weekend. But no, it's like, no, this is, I'm building this new habit. So I need, and, and I start seeing the results because once you get and enjoy, your body, you know, feels the benefit of that. So I started sleeping better. I was feeling less anxious and it was like, I actually like yoga. I kind of had forgotten because I was not doing it for a long time. But I was like, I do enjoy this. So I was happy to be doing something for myself instead of only working. So yeah, I created a routine and I was, let's say, forcing myself to do that. But I was enjoying the, the process. Well, that makes sense. So I, I, I'll give you some context on where this question comes from and maybe a little bit of other things that popped into my mind while you were speaking. I remember back in the day, I used to be really big into fitness. Like I loved, loved, loved going to the gym, but it would always be one of those things where I would have a lot of stuff to do. And then it would get later at night, later at night, later at night. And then it'd be like, oh my God, the gym's going to close in an hour. I need to go like right now. Like I've been putting this off since noon and now it's 9 PM and I got to get there. So then what I started to do was have workout buddies. And then I'd be like, all right, I'm meeting you at the gym at 1 p.m., let's say, for example. And I mean, I have a responsibility. I have made a commitment to someone. So therefore, I am now always going at exactly 1 a.m. because I have to meet someone. But now, pandemic, I mean, nobody's meeting anybody. This is terrible, and we're all stuck inside. So I try to find things where I have to have a commitment where someone else is on the other side. So not fitness-related, but with learning Spanish. I have an online teacher and I pay her, I don't know, $6 an hour or $9 an hour or something. And I have a set time every single morning, Monday to Friday, it's set. And I do one hour of Spanish. Muy bien. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I have to be there. I mean, I, it's not the $6 that keeps me accountable. It's the other human being that it's like, I said I was going to do that. Now change it and say, oh, I had bought a, or I was going to watch 60 minutes of YouTube in Spanish every morning. Chances are 
I would not do it. I would not do it because there's no human aspect. So that's where my question for you comes on with your yoga. If it was a lesson like you knew at a certain time, or if it was like a recorded program, because I know the way that my brain works. And if there's any human involved, then it will hundred percent done, get done. And if there's not, it might not get done. <laughs> Unless yeah, it's work related and I, I know it's going to be like for my business, then it'll get done. But it's the, it's the personal stuff that I have difficulty with. Yeah. Well, that's a strategy that probably will work better for some people and probably for me also in other areas. But I don't know, with the yoga, it worked and it was like a great thing because I was blocking some time during the day, at the beginning of the day to myself. I'm a morning person. So do something that I like in the first hours in the morning. And do you makes set the difference. exact same time every day? Or do you be like, oh, yeah, yeah. after I've used the bathroom and done this stuff and checked my emails? Or is no, it like- No, no, no. Oh, there was no check. For... Sorry, there was no, there was no check in emails in the between. No, 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 no. Oh, that, no, okay. no. It was, I told you the exactly order, wake up. <laughs> Bathroom, water, and yoga. I was forcing myself not checking the email because that was almost the automatic behavior. Like I wake up, you know, even the alarm clock is on my phone. So I just, oh, let me see the notification. No, I was like, turn off the, the alarm clock. That's it. And I go to yoga. So like, I'm checking emails with one eye closed and one eye open, you know? It's like my face is still on the pillow. I can't even, like I haven't cleaned the sleep out of my eye and I'm already checking what emails have come in throughout the night. I was doing that. But when I said this yoga thing, I was like, no, yoga will come first. And it was great. Oh, and then after yoga, what I was doing was taking a shower, still without checking my email. And then I was going to the kitchen, preparing the breakfast. And then when I was having breakfast, I was checking email. So it was like, I don't know, maybe hour and a half after I woke up, which was like, whoa, I was already proud of myself just because of that. Been years since that's ever happened. <laughs> years and years and years. An hour and a half in the morning without checking emails. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we're just gonna take a quick break. So if you guys haven't joined Expat Money Forum yet, then I don't know what I need to do to get you guys to go on this. The conversations in this forum are just unbelievable. The networking is fantastic. There's so much things being shared with the group that honestly, it's more than just me. It's more than just this podcast. It has grown to a life of its own. We have over 2,000 people in our private group discussing things like immigration, asset protection, travel, food, culture, history, everything about being an expat and going overseas. There's tons of work being done on Plan B residencies, on different passports. We're even talking about SIM cards, international SIM cards, and the best places to get your internet if you're a digital nomad and you're traveling around the world. There are so many things that are being shared by people who are actually in different countries, who are digital nomads, who are expats, who have gone offshore, and there's just so much there. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you can see that I'm really thrilled about this group because it's just more than I ever expected. And a massive shout out to you if you are part of the group and you are contributing and helping other people who are looking to get where you are. You are an awesome person. I really, really appreciate it. So if you guys want to get involved, if you want to join the conversation, then go to expatmoneyforum.com or on Facebook directly, you can search for Expat Money Forum. You'll find us there. We should come up on the very first page. And yeah, join the group, join the conversation. Lots happening there. Okay, let's jump back into today's interview. Okay. 
Okay, super interesting. So, I mean, we've we've covered a lot of the things that are are challenges and staying organized, but I want to shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about what some of the benefits are from remote work and and some of the opportunities that people have by following this line of work and leaving the nine to five or the office environment. Because I do want to talk about all of the positive side opposed to just the practical side. Mm -hmm. Well, the benefits, they vary according to the person. So we tend to see like, yeah, you have more flexibility. You can travel, you can work from home. But it's like, maybe I don't want to travel. Or maybe I just want to work from home and have time for my family and for my kids. And that's okay. So I always start when when I have a new client one of the first things I cover is like, why do you want to do that? Which are your goals, your short-term goals, your long-term goals? And um, how does it make sense for you? Like, what does the remote work represents for you? Because it can mean something completely different for you and something opposite even for me. And it's still fine because it's like, how does the remote work being having your own business or working as a remote employee for a company, being an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. How does it help you to live the lifestyle? that you want to live. So we, I see it as a powerful way to just live the life you want to have. So it's funny because I talk about work all the time because I'm a career coach. I help people to land jobs. But at the end, I don't think that work is the most important thing in our life. It's a pillar that is extremely important. I love what I do. I put a lot of time, invest a lot of money in being good in what I do and all of that. But it's still like, I want work to sustain the lifestyle I want to have. And this is, this is why I help people land a remote job because I also want them to be able to say, you know what? I want to do a Friday off to go fishing, whatever. And it's like, okay, the lifestyle I have and the work I have supports that. So I think the benefit is like, if you do it well, if you find a way to balance things, we saw it's not easy, but if you <laughs> manage to do it, you can live the lifestyle that you want. You don't need to live your life around work so you don't need to live in a city that you hate just because that's where the office is located you don't need to you know don't socialize at all just because you have to be in the office even if there is nobody there I have a real case of a friend it's like during the pandemic we had to go to the office but we were not allowed to talk to each other so we were in the office doing Skype calls Zoom calls whatever with the person who was on the table like two meters from me. So it's like, it's crazy. And I don't believe in this system. That's a, that's a real case. It's a real case, yeah. That happened with a friend in New York. So I see working remotely as a tool for you to live your best life in the way you want to live. So it's it's a very personal answer, but I do believe it's possible to do that. Well, so let's dig into some of the things that you've been able to do since you made the transition and started working remotely. I want to hear a bit about the digital nomadism, about your travel, about that aspect of it. Yeah. So it always started with one question that I kept hearing. You know, you know those seminars and books and all of that. All the things that was into the same question was coming to me several times. I was like, what is that? Why I see this question popping up everywhere? And it was like, what would you do if you know you could not fail? What would you do? if you know you could not fail. And the funny thing is that the answer for me was fast. I knew the answer was travel more. 
So I knew it. So new seminar, new event, in-person event at that time, right? Many years ago, what would you do if you know you could not fail? I would travel more. And I was so proud to reply that. And then at some point I was like, I'm not doing that. Why am I just talking about it? And I'm not doing the thing I know that I want to do. So I was like, I start finding myself extremely boring. I was like, whoa, I hate to be the person who talks about something and does a totally opposite thing. So it was an internal, you know, schizophrenic feeling like I'm, I'm talking about something, but I'm doing a completely opposite thing. So I start finding myself extremely boring and the kind of person that nobody wanted to be with. I didn't want to be with myself. I was like, I hate the life I have because I know what I want to do and I'm not doing that. So that's when I acknowledged that and I took ownership, like, okay, I want to stop talking about it and I start, I want to start leaving these realities. So that it was the time when I said, okay, so I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> I need to find a way. I have no idea how to, because at that time I had a nine to five stable, supposed to be stable job. I was living in Barcelona. I had a good life and it was the kind of life that my friends would say, oh my goodness, Julian, you're so lucky you know you live in Barcelona you travel a lot you work in a great company you live in a nice apartment it was like yeah so do you want my life to you because I'm not happy with that so just take it to yourself so inside I was not happy and I was like okay that's it it's time to take action so one of the first things I did okay two initial things so I started to using my holiday time to attend digital nomad events all of them so all my holidays in those two years, I was attending physically before COVID again, uh, attending digital nomad events because I wanted to be surrounded by people that was already living the reality I wanted to live. I want to learn from them. I want to be friends with them. I want to, you know, breathe the same air and talk about the same thing. So I was like, I need to pay for proximity. I need to be where they are. So I was physically going there and of course, connecting with them, following up, meeting later on. So there was a key thing in my personal and professional process and the other thing was that I hired a life coach because I was like this is too hard to do alone I need help in the process and it was extremely important and another funny thing is that I was with the same life coach for three different moments so at the very beginning when I was like I want to travel more I don't know how to make it happen and I still need the money I want to keep working all of that so there was this initial moment like I don't know, three months. And I was like, okay, I have a plan. I'm going to start building up my own business, do some freelance gigs and all of that. And then I'm going to quit my job. Okay. So I was implementing the plan. And then months later, I hired her again. I was like, okay, I'm already with my freelancer gig. I'm already starting my business, but now I don't know how to quit my job, how to make this transition. Like the final, like quitting the job. And it was all about, you know, my mindset and all of that. And also practical stuff, like creating the strategy, how to tell my company and all of that. So I was with the life coach for the second period at that time. And then I quit my job. And one week after I contacted her, I was like, I need you again because I'm overwhelmed with my free time. I don't know what to do with my agenda now, now that I don't have any. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> exactly. Like one week after she was like, already I was like, yes, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with my time. So having a professional helping me, especially one that knew my journey, already because then she knew where I was coming from so she was with me in the whole in the whole process so <clears throat> hiring a, a life coach was also extremely important in this process but again people have different journeys so it's not about you know you don't have to go to digital nomad events and you don't have to hire a life coach you need to understand your needs and what is stopping you 
where your fears are and then ask for help for that because every person is different. Everyone has different needs, especially at the beginning of this life and career transition, right? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Well, I remember a saying that I heard, oh, geez, years and years and years ago, and it went something basically like this, that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most amount of time with. So totally. by surrounding yourself and making friends with digital nomads, then what might originally seem like just a pie-in-the-sky dream you actually see on a very daily basis, actually, it's a reality. And it's a reality for all the people who are close to me in my life. So then when you actually make the change and do it yourself, seems to me it would just be very natural, very, very easy. Like I'm certainly very purposeful about the people who I spend time with in my life. I don't surround myself with friends who complain or whine or are victims. No, I try to surround myself with people who are go-getters and make things happen and understand how to build something and create. I mean, that's the type of people that I want to surround myself with because that's the type of person that I want to be. So I totally understand that type of mentality with the conferences and making a new group of friends. Yeah, but it had to be very intentional. It, I had to decide to do that because when I was living in Barcelona and as I said from the outside my life was perfect this was the feedback that my friends were giving to me when I start talking about this new lifestyle and travel more and you know having my business and all of that people were not understanding me so the friends I had good friends people that I loved they were like why are you doing that oh my goodness you're so lucky already that you have you know the, the life you have and oh that's over complicated so I was like okay, there's something happening here. They're not understanding me. And it's not about being just with people that say yes to you. It's not about that. But in that moment, I needed support. I was still like a baby in this process of creating the new life I wanted to have. So I needed more than ever to be surrounded by people who would support me, who would understand my need of having a different life because all my friends were like, your life is perfect already. I was like, it's not. Take it for you. Like for, for me, from inside, I'm not happy. But they were not understanding. So at some point I realized, you know what? It's a waste of time to try to convince or explain or justify. It's like it, that's not how I want to spend my energy. Explaining them why I want to quit my job and start something different to be able to travel. So I was like, that's not a good use of my time right now. And it's like, you know what? They they are happy with the life they have. Like, I don't need to convince them. It's not about convincing everyone, hey, let's go together and be remote. It's not about that. I, I had enough on my plate to, to make it real for me. So it was not about convincing other people. But then I was like, okay, I still need friends. <laughs> I still need to talk to people. I want to be surrounded by people who understand what I'm talking about because I went like so deeply into it. Remember, I had my full-time job and I was working on other things to create some source of income to be able to quit my job. So I was fully into work and then create a new reality and then working on my personal brand. So I was like, this is the moment to do that with other people who we will understand and support. So more than ever, I had to start saying no to some friends and to some plans that was not, it doesn't add at this moment of my life. So I was, I would say I was selfish at that time because I was putting my needs 
first. And I, I actually, some friends I had, they're not my friends anymore. Not, nothing happened. There was no discussion or whatever, but it was just like, we chose very different paths and they don't really, like we don't have much topics in common because they are still in that life and they are happy and they still don't understand my choice. And it's like, it's okay. So I have all the friends, all the people I spend time with that, you know, support me. But especially at the beginning, I really needed an environment that was healthy for me, that would support my life transition, let's say like that, and help me to create the environment I wanted. So I was very intentional about who I'm spending my time with. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I understand that completely. I'm thinking back at my life of 21 years of travel and how many different groups of friends I've had, probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of different groups of friends that I've been interested in a topic or something like that. And when I moved on or they moved on, I mean, it's not that we stop liking each other or I think that they're a bad person, but if our paths are not going down the same road, as you said, well, then you don't have a lot in common anymore. I mean, I have a very few friends that I've known my entire life and maybe one adult friend that I've been in contact nonstop with for, for 20 some odd years. But most people come and go in your life. And I think as a traveler and a digital yeah. nomad or as an expat, you have to kind of be comfortable with moving on and saying goodbye. I mean, it's not that hometown mentality where, I mean, you don't go more than a couple of kilometers from where you were born and the people that you went to school with are the same people that will be at your wedding, will be at your, the baptism of your grandchild. And I mean, like, it's just, it's so, so different being an expat and digital nomad. I mean, that's my perspective. Uh, yes, as a digital nomad, we learn to say goodbyes or see you later. I prefer to say see you later because you keep bumping into the same people because they have the same lifestyle. So you can meet them. You can even plan. That's what I have been doing. So, for example, are you going to be in Lisbon around July? So we can kind of coordinate that and meet again people intentionally that you want to meet. But yes, there is a lot of see you later and goodbye in this life <laughs> that we chose. It's part of it. Absolutely. So... At the beginning of the episode, I had mentioned that you've been to 50, 51 countries, somewhere around there. Tell me about some of your trips, about some of your experiences in your life as a digital nomad. Where have you been? What have you done? What were your favorites? I mean, I'm very, very curious. Yeah. So I'm from Brazil and yeah, I've traveled, but the, like, I don't have a favorite city. Everybody asks that, which is your favorite city in the world? I don't have the answer for that. I have a favorite continent. I hope it uh, works, <laughs> which is Asia. And the thing with Asia is that it is so different than anything else that I had experienced. It's so, I don't know, bright, colorful, the tastes are different, the people and the culture in general. So it's kind of being transported to a different world, literally. So I really enjoy um, Asia and the experience I have there. That's when I feel more, I don't know, free. And sometimes the language is a barrier, but at the same time, it's not a barrier because I find ways to, to communicate with locals and all of that. So I really like Asia. But it's still like 51 countries. If you compare with the world, it's like 190 or 189 countries. I don't know exactly how many. It's still <laughs> much more to, to visit. And yeah. It's just like I, I still count the countries I have been. 
I have memories about it and yeah, I'm, I'm living the lifestyle I want to live, but the traveling is still something that drives me a lot. I really like arrive in a different place and explore the, the food and the regions and, you know, get familiar with the streets and then get lost again with that. So I'm, I'm doing that in a slower piece now after COVID. That was some interesting learning also, right? Because we couldn't travel at all. And then we start traveling slowly. And it's like, I like that to have like my favorite cafe that I can work from and have my favorite dish in that place and say hi to the guy that worked in that shop because he saw me so many times that we kind of you know know each other by name so discovering also the the good side of traveling slow and connecting more with people for longer because before I was traveling fast like a month two months in each place which has the good things but also has bad things that you don't really create deeper relationships so i'm enjoying this yes i still travel yes i still work from whatever i am but i make friends like local friends or friends that are expats also but they have been living longer there so it's a kind of whole new world within the traveling and working at the same time that i'm really really enjoying there's so the many moment. little subgroups of travelers that i mean if you guys who are listening today haven't done extensive travel, you might not realize all the different nuances that happen in this space. And there are people like me and Juliana who have dedicated our lives to travel. So there's there's so much to it and there's so much to discuss. But I also want to ask you, with Asia, and well, I guess everywhere in the world, but specifically Asia, do you find that there is like a trail that while you're going through these places that you see similar people again and again and again, that they're all other heading- travelers? Other travelers? Other travelers, other travelers, yeah. Like routes that people traditionally go from, you know, okay, they spend a certain amount of time in Bangkok and then they're going to Koh Phi Phi and then they're going to here and then they're going to there and meet up with people or see them again at co-working spaces. Do you have any of those experiences? Yeah, yeah. I definitely meet people, especially if you're in the same country and traveling to different cities in the country, you keep meeting people, especially the ones that are working also because there are travelers that are traveling, but they're not working. So they're more like backpackers and going to parties. That's all before COVID, right? But people that were just traveling just because they, I don't know, were trying to figure out what to do with their life. And I do connect with those people, but in a different level because the lifestyle they have is so different. So they are more free. They just, you know, go ready for party and excursions and all of that. And it's like, well, I have to work now. So I connect more with the person that is seated on a cafe during the day. And then we have lunch together. And then tomorrow we go to another cafe. So yes, I do meet people, keep meeting people, especially the ones that are working and traveling at the same time. And I feel that I have more in common with them. I'm not talking about locals, locals, I try to connect as much as possible, but it's a different connection. So people who are on holidays, people that are backpacking or people that are just, you know, they travel and they try to find some work, wherever they go, they do something punctual, whatever. So it's just a different choice that I did. And I feel that I connect less because the, the priorities are different. The, the values are different. So the ones that are traveling and working at the same time, yes, I keep meeting them. And as I said before, we also 
kind of force the situation. So are you going to be here tomorrow? So let's meet at this place. Let's have, um, have lunch together. Let's work from that cafe. So you kind of, again, intentionally bring those people closer to you. Or if you see someone, it's like, then you go and say, I think I have seen you in, in that island. Were you there? Were you in that event or something? So it's kind of breaking the ice, an easy way to start connect with people that you know that are in the same page that you are. So normally people are quite open to, to connect and to have conversations. And, and that's also how, I don't know, business happen and, and friendships and invitations for, you know, a club or an event or something like that. So it's easy to connect with on the road with people that are in the same lifestyle and working and traveling at the same time so yes it does happen to me and i love it because pretty much i don't know if everywhere but most of the place that i go i know someone that is there you know maybe not close friend but it's like oh i remember you from you know from that event in thailand oh yeah you're there so it's kind of you don't start from scratch everywhere there is always someone and because you connect with people on facebook also so oh this person is already there. And then I send a message. I ask for a recommendation of which is the best area to stay or something like that. So I kind of create those networks everywhere I go, which is amazing. I find this fantastic. Yeah, I love this piece of it. I love being able to connect with other people who are going on maybe not the same journey, but kind of parallel and then catching up with them again and again and again. I think that this is yeah. super fun. Certainly as a traveler myself. And now, like, I'm, I, I would say for many years, I never called myself a digital nomad. Like, I really was just an expat. Now I'm starting to bring in more of the digital nomad aspect to my life. I'm doing it quite different. I'm doing it with a family. So there's that. So we're meeting other families who are doing it with other kids. And I, I'm, I'm starting to get back into it. I'm kind of gone full circle. I was a backpacker. Then I was just a strict expat. And then I was a traveler. And then I was, oh God, I mean, I've just been doing this for a very long time. So I'm in Brazil. You're Brazilian, but where are you today? I'm in New York, the U.S. today. New yeah. York during COVID. You're doing the exact opposite of everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> Look, I have to say that uh, I haven't been to New York until three weeks ago, I think. I was, I was in Mexico for six months and then my visa was going to expire. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to the U.S. has been a while that I haven't been here. It was like close destination. I had a friend in Dallas, so I went to Dallas. But I was like, once I was in the U.S., I thought, well, I have never been to New York. It's close by. And I also had another friend here. So two friends here. I was like, okay, so I'm going to go for four days. And then I came and I loved it. And I was like, whoa, I want to come back to New York. So I went back to Dallas because I had already the, the room I had rented. And then I came back to New York for two more weeks. So yes, I can't compare how it is now with how it was before, because it's like my second time in New York, but the first time was a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, restaurants are in full capacity already. And I see the subway uh, kind of not packed, but full. Uh, a lot of people are vaccinated. I don't know. People say that life is going back to normal and it's less people than before. But again, I can't compare, but I'm extremely happy to be here. So I was even told I'm lucky because like the, the touristic attractions and the city in general is not as busy as it normally is. So it's like, this is a great time. And the weather is amazing. It's sunny. So I'm extremely happy to be here. 
Well, okay. I was in Rio a few minutes ago. At the moment, I'm in Floripa, Florianopolis. I was at in Rio, and we were going to tourist destinations. I was at Christ the Redeemer, and there must have been 30 people there. Like there was no lineups. There was nobody oh, there. You have amazing, amazing photo <laughs> of Sugarloaf, all these places. Nobody there. I've been. This is my fifth time in Brazil. The other times I went to Sugarloaf and Christ the Redeemer, there was probably 50,000, 100,000. Yeah, no more. Yeah. 100,000 yeah. people. The one time I came was when the Pope was in Rio and there was like a million extra people there. And I mean, you couldn't do anything. So it's so funny now traveling during COVID and like all of these famous tourist sites and attractions, and there's like nobody around. And I've seen it in multiple countries over the last 18 months. So that's very interesting. Yeah, definitely we need to be more careful and travel slow and all of those things. So I'm still careful. I take precautions. I still, you know, avoid some situations that I don't consider safe. So I, you know, I use myself as a guide for which kind of exposure I want to have and all of that. But definitely there are good things of traveling during COVID to the countries we can be and all of that. So it's it's a bit weird to say, but it's also a great time to travel. If you can make it, if you choose well, some options are not available, obviously, but still like I'm really enjoying, I enjoy my time in Mexico. I'm enjoying my time here. And for my mental health, it was very important, you know, to go back to the dig digital nomad and, you know, entrepreneur environments and be able to meet people in person, attending events and, and socialize and have interesting conversations. For me, it was like extremely important. And I'm grateful that I could do that. I know still some people can't, depending on where they are in the world. It's opening more, but I'm really happy that I could do that since some months ago already. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we're very similar in that we're very optimistic people because I also see this as an excellent time to travel. I have lots of friends who are like, can't be bothered, don't want to do it. They're looking at the negative side of everything about all the extra testing and all of these types of things. I don't like to look at the negative side. I'm, I'm a really happy, upbeat, passionate kind of guy. So I'm always like, I don't care if there's a thousand and one negative things. That's not what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on the, the 10 really good things. And for me, it's no lineups, being able to see the places fast and on my own time, I can end up doing way more in a day. And I also like the fact that as no other tourists are going there and local people often rely on this money for their businesses to feed their family, that I'm actually out here spending money and driving the economy in a positive and productive way. I think that there's a lot to be said about that. I think that's a really excellent thing. Like if you want to help people, well then let them run their business and you know buy their goods and services and be appreciative. That's free market economics. I mean, you they have something you want and you have the money that they want. So do a fair and equitable trade by sitting home on your couch all day and deciding you're going to wait out two years of your life or something. I mean, that's, that's not helping. I mean, that's not yeah. going to get things back to normal. And you, you can choose where to go. So you don't need to go to a big city. If you don't feel comfortable, you can go to a smaller city. You don't need to go to a you know, the most touristic place in the country, you can go to a place that is more like the countryside. So there are plenty of options also 
that you can start traveling in a way that you feel comfortable and but also meeting your goals and your objectives and supporting the the culture where you are and enjoying the experience and learning and exchanging so i think there are different ways to do that and possibilities out there there is not you don't have to go to this place right now there are some choices at least amazing so i guess let's take things full circle before we wrap up today tell us a little bit about your business how you help people and kind of what your your role is when someone decides that they want to work remotely and move in this direction that we've been discussing today. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I help people to land remote jobs faster. This is the journey I have walked already. And I have my background in psychology as a recruiter. So I really know what companies are looking for because I have been on the other side of the story. So I know exactly what they will search for when they are looking for a candidate. And I have been working remotely for eight years. So being a career coach was kind of changing sides. So now I help job seekers instead of companies, but I know what they are looking for. And I have been a remote worker myself and I have been a job seeker. So I kind of know the different sides of the story and I understand how to speed up the process. I think most of people can land a remote job alone. Like most of people don't really need help to do that, but the path can be longer, can be hard. Some people will give up on the way or you can stay too long in the process. So instead of being living the life you want, you spend years trying to get there, trying to land the job. So I know it can be painful. So what I offer is exactly speed up the process and take you from where you are to be working in the job you want to have. So make the process faster so you can enjoy more what you want, actually, instead of being a job seeker for a long time, which is not a nice place to be. Well, and I can also imagine that you would help to develop the person so that the job that they accept is going to be more in line with their values and they're going to be happier so that it's a better relationship going forwards, which means it will last longer and possibly even be earning more money. So although someone would have to pay for a service upfront, if you get that match right the first time with assistance is better than going through it five times, I'm making up a number, but say five times and having mismatch, 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 and all the stress and anxiety and problems that that would cause. And then that interim period between careers or between jobs I mean, that could be very very costly. Yeah, Yeah, painful and costly. Yeah, and have a cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You said it all. Um, I always talk about life and career goals and how to align a job with that. So it's not a job. It's not just something that's going to pay you. Of course, we are going for something that's going to pay you well pay you more that you have now. But for me, it's not just a job um, alone, separate from the other aspects of your life. The lifestyle that I talk so many times already, I always connect with that. And I remember when I was doing the copy for my my website, the the copywriter said, look, you are repeating too many times the word happy. It's getting very repetitive. And I was like, okay, (laughs) thanks for the note. But that was interesting because I always talk about being happy with your job, happy with your career, choose the job you want. So it's about, you know, taking ownership and make a choice. So when the job offer comes, it's not like I was passively waiting for it. I went for it. I chose that company up front. I sold myself in a way that, you know, I proved that I am the right person. So it's all connected and it's all about, There is more than work 
and career in life. So let's fix this pillar. Let's fix this part. So you have the time and the energy to do all the other things that you want to do. So that's that's my, my approach. But being happy and having a job that is supporting the life you want to have and not the other way around is, is totally the approach I well, have. Because that's the is, choice I made. I think <laughs> that's this my is choice. very, very valuable. Because as you said, I mean, you've seen this from all aspects. You worked from the career, you worked with a company who did, and you did this for a living. You have the educational background. You've been living this type of lifestyle for eight years. So this is not something you started like last Tuesday. I mean, like you really have a lot of experience, you know? So there's so many multiple angles that you have insights from. So working with you or someone like you, I think is very valuable. I think it's a really excellent thing that you're doing. And I would imagine it must be very rewarding for you as well. Because if you have a client and you help them through this process and they make a positive change in your life, you actually get to be with them and see that. I, I think that would be very rewarding from, from my perspective, it would be. The main thing is like going from, I'm not sure if I can make it, this is too hard. Maybe this is not for me. Not sure I'm ready yet to, I made it. It's like, it's a whole change of mindset and self-esteem. So again, it's not about the job itself. It's like, I chose this path and I'm going to make it happen. So with some tools and some support, you get there. So it's about, I'm, I'm choosing the next steps I want to do in my career, which is totally different than most of us were told. Like, okay, you are in a company, so you wait for your boss decide that it's time for you to get promoted. So you're very passive in the process. And choosing remote work is like I'm taking ownership of that because you're probably breaking with something that you have done before. Like if you're going remote for the first time, then you were breaking with a lot of ways of working and, and kind of conversation and environment and the way you see career. And you are like, okay, I'm choosing a completely different path. So it's not starting from scratch, but there is a break between I work in a corporation and I work remotely. So it's, I love to do this process and I love bringing people on my side. I think it's again, a bit selfish because it's like the more people working remotely, the better we're going to have a better, you know, life in general so let me just bring more people <laughs> to my side again it's not for everybody and i totally understand that some people are happy working in an office and you know what that's fine it's amazing if you are happy doing what you do with your career i'm happy with that so it's not about brainwashing people and say that everybody has to work remotely no some people choose want have to work in an office and i'm okay with that as far as they are okay with that as far as it's their choice and they are happy with that. But the ones who are not happy, it's like, hey, there is hope. <laughs> there is a different path that you can choose. So let's just speed up the process for you to get on the other side faster. Brilliant. I love it. Juliana, thank you so much for your time today, for your insights, for your experience, and sharing all your knowledge and your stories with us. If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, if they want to get a hold of you, where can we send them? Thanks for the opportunity. was amazing to be able to share some ideas, experience thoughts <laughs> and all of that to connect with me i think the easiest way is my website because you also have the link to all my social media so my website is just my name and my surname so www.julianarabi.com so yeah that's the easiest way to find me i'm also very active on linkedin on instagram so i'm always happy to connect with other people and share ideas 
Brilliant. And I will make sure I have all of the links to these at expatmoneyshow.com under Juliana's episode. Juliana, thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Yeah, talk to you later. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. I want to remind you that if you go to expatmoneyshow.com, you're going to be able to download our special report. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It has been a project of mine I have been working on for maybe four years now, and I constantly update this with the newest and best strategies. Now, it's really different than a lot of other special reports or books out there because this one is really short, and it is short on purpose. What I want to do is kind of highlight to you the best of the best strategies that are out there in the world and then where you can go for additional information or how you can get involved in these things. So instead of writing a 500-page special report on this, which probably chances are no one is going to read it, this is really highly condensed information. I've actually put it in an infographic. It's an infographic special report. It has helped thousands upon thousands of people really get a grasp of being an expat and what type of things are out there to protect your assets, professionals that you should be working with, investments, real estate, these types of things. So it's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. You can pick it up at expatmoneyshow.com. You'll see it. It's on the very first page at the very top. All you need to do is put in your name and email address. You're going to get a chance to actually join my private email list, EMS Pulse. And there's just so much great things that are shared on there. It's completely free. There's no funnel. There's no trick to this. There's no credit card needed, anything like that. It's just a good resource for you, my listener, who I love and adore, and I want to do right by you guys. So go to expatmoneyshow.com, pick this up, let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.